welcome to Tilth Talk Radio. Today we're going to be talking about wheat as harvest is imminent. In our spotlight, we'll take a look at some grain rescue tubes being awarded to some different fire departments across the country. Ag History Minute, we'll talk about the Harvest Brigade Brigade of 1944. Cool Beans, that's corny. We'll have some current events. And that'll wrap it up for this episode. So with me today are Bill Schomburg. Hey, guys. Max Garvey. What's up, everybody? Todd Schomburg. Hey to all the Tilthies out there. And I'm Matt Bruker, all with Tilth Agronomy. So game five last night. No Giannis. He's hurt. No Trey Young. No Trey Young for the Hawks. Yeah. So of the NBA crew, who's who? Who's the Charles Barkley? Who's Shaq? Who's Kane? The Jet Smith? <laughs> like who? Which which one are you guys? Todd, you you really seem like a Charles Barkley. Charles type. Barkley. He is hilarious. Terrible. Just terrible. terrible. Shaq is funny too. Like he just he he just can do it all. Well, what was with the? There was the money mask with Charles Barkley dollars on it. Uh the lock of the thing or whatever. Yeah, it's like how his guaranteed bet for that night. He's hit like three in a row or something like that. Now they were talking about it last night after the game. So <laughs> did he pick the Bucks? I don't know. I have no idea what the pick was. Oh. I don't even know if it's like the if he picks the winner or if it's. I think it's any like bet like Drew Holiday over under twenty two and a half points. Mm, sure. So yeah, the Bucks are up three two, headed back to the ATL. It's pretty cool to see a whole team effort. Like it was they all were those moving the ball around. They yep. just did all of them did well. I am not a big NBA basketball fan because it's always the isolation stuff and it's. But but the boys had it on last night and I was watching and they were passing the ball. They were making the extra pass and to the wide open guy who would drain three. And it's like, okay, that's, I'll watch that. That's like, what it's supposed to be. It's yeah. what it's like play team basketball. It's, like you said, they still drive me crazy at the beginning of a shot, like towards the end of the game when you're trying to, you know, basically run out the clock at that point sure. when you're up by 15 for most of the game. And yeah, beginning of the shot clock, just chuck up a three. That right. drives me nuts. Like I know it, like it's good shot. And tell they me, made a couple. Tell me you're a Wisconsin basketball. It's, it's definitely <laughs> Badger basketball. basketball. Yeah. 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 I will, you f- got us, Max. Four, you got us. The four teams that were left in the fi- conference finals, uh, those those four teams are probably the best four team basketball teams. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, the Bucks have a little bit of ISO in their stuff. I mean, with Giannis, you have to have some, but they're in general relatively team oriented and the Hawks are the same way because they only have one superstar. They they can't afford they have to play as a team. So yeah. So do those two guys sit now for game six and then they have to be back for seven, right? If they go that way. Like do you just sit Giannis and hope you win game six? I heard a I heard a rumor that team doctors are not going to clear Giannis until game seven. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think he'll be back. Of this series or this of the series. finals? Okay. Well the finals wouldn't matter because Right, because you didn't get there. No, correct. I'm just i I don't think he'll be back till the finals. Yeah, if they make it, like, yeah. yeah. I just don't think they'll risk the franchise over I, bringing him back too early. I want to say I have a hard time seeing us get, lose now again, lose to the Hawks again. But every time we've come, every time the Hawks have been counted out this year, <laughs> they, they come back so angry. They shouldn't be playing in the conference finals, no. but here they are. So well, 
the Heat did kind of the same thing last year, really. Yeah, I mean, it's about getting hot at the right time, right? Yep. It's the same thing in, in all sports. You don't want to peak halfway through the season. You don't mm-hmm. want to be... Yeah, you don't want to go undefeated and then get blasted in the first round. I'm not saying it's going to happen, but I'm just saying Brewers, peaking a little early. They're rolling. We're playing some good ball right now, and we're not to the They, they couldn't hit the baseball a month ago. and We scored 15 they, runs? They spot, 15 runs. They spot the Cubs a touchdown, and then they beat them by a touchdown. Yeah. That was pretty amazing. Yeah. So, but yeah, I I overall I think uh, I think Bucks are going to the finals. I think we deserve it. Then I'll take my chances against the Suns. Frank the Tank, Pahonics, Suns. Yeah, Pahonic. I forgot Frank the Tanks on there. Frank yeah. the Tanks on there. Frank the Tank. Does he play much? No, I don't think okay. so. They have DeAndre Ayton. Why do they need Frank the Tank? Correct. That's what is hard to watch with these. I don't know any of like the Hawks guys. I don't know any of them, like at all. You know Bogdan Bogdanovich. Yeah, you're right. Okay, yeah, because he, he almost ended yeah. up in the Bucks because yeah. we tampered with him. Yeah, <laughs> you know Lou okay. Williams, Sweet Lou. No, <sighs> Lou Williams. Nope. No, got, none of these guys play college basketball got, anymore. So you don't. He was he was famous because he said his favorite place to get chicken wings was a strip club. Okay. You don't remember <laughs> that when that was all over ESPN? <laughs> no, <laughs> that was a, that was quite the, quite the take, quite the hot take from him. I feel like I don't know that I'd trust hot wings from a strip club, but, you know. Apparently the one he went to. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. I'm trying to think who else. Yeah, after that, the Hawks get... Clint Capella, he had his moment in the sun. He was kind of big for a little while, but, yeah, their their overall roster is pretty... Me? pretty, Pretty quiet, put it that way. Not a lot of big names, but they play well, so... Just let Trey put up 50 every game. That seems to be their plan. A lot of times, like they do, they play good team basketball, but really they need they need Trey to have have some points. So, all right, you guys ready to get into our topic for today? Ready? Yep. So, winter wheat looks like it's potentially going to be a, on the early side this year. We had a kind of an early warm up, some wacky weather through May, but a lot of heat to kind of help catch things up. So what what are we going to do after wheat? What's going to happen when, when combines start rolling? So, Max, what do you got for us? Well, I uh, I started realizing this week that wheat harvest kind of just snuck up on me. Uh, all of a sudden, it's it's like, man, it's already, you know, July, and we're we're seriously ready to start combining here in the next 7 to 10 days. So um, one of the popular questions I got in the last couple of weeks here was uh, talking about putting soybeans in after wheat and trying to double crop. And how does that work uh, agronomy-wise? What do we have to do to make that work? I was trying to decide when and why we get that question because it pops up randomly. Yep. And two things got to happen. is Wheat's got to be early, which it's looking like it's going to happen. And then the price of soybeans has got to be like crazy high. Yep, yep. I don't know if it has to be crazy high, but, uh, but it's going to be higher. It's got, yeah, right. Well, define crazy high too, over $11. If you'd run the economics, yes, I think it's got to be like twelve plus. Okay. To really eight, eight bucks and, isn't going to get it done. No. Well, eight bucks. We don't want to plant beans in April or May. So true. There's no way we want to plant them in July. True. So yes, it's got to be on that high end. And and so far, it looks like both of those stars are aligning for this year for I mean, that to happen. Todd, I'll add one more caveat. Because if as we were sitting here like a week ago. What have we done? It? Oh, if it's too dry, dry, dry as it is. Yeah. But 
after <clears throat> after four inches of rain. That hey, that's one thing we didn't talk about earlier. Boom. Is the power of this podcast that we didn't realize and we apologize for? Of <laughs> no, no, we don't we, apologize. We needed the water. <laughs> we did. We didn't need four. We didn't need we, four inches. We just didn't we realize we had that much power yep. that it would cause. Flip you know, we switch. would go from a drought to basically having too much rain within like three days of releasing that last podcast. I, so. I always thought you were rain man, Todd. Yeah, I, we, I, I, we did I not know that this <laughs> could. Could definitely. do that kind of thing. So. Definitely would or no. Definitely. We, we knew he wasn't making the rain man. He was the yeah. other kind of rain yeah. man. Yeah, rain man. <laughs> but yeah, no, that definitely does does help. If we still had no rain, uh, I don't think that soybeans would be a thought. Because those, those were the conversations I was having a, a week and a half ago was, hey, what should we do after this week? And they're like, well, if it doesn't rain, we're not going to do anything. And now it rains, and then it's like on. Yeah. Yep. Let's go. We're still going to need rain after the wheat to really get things going. We're not going to hold on to this moisture. But, no. But it has le- at least refreshed the right. the thought pro Like, we're, we're not doom and gloom. Oh, there's no point in doing anything after the wheat comes off. We should just be lucky we get wheat off. Like, that kind of thing. Yep. So, um, so the first, like I said, this this in, gen- in general, we're going to talk about what we should do after wheat. The first thing is the soybeans. Because that's a cool one that we don't get to talk about very often because it's once every when was the last time you talked about doing this 2012, 2012 yeah. so that's once every 10 years you really think about this nine years um so the first thing um is uh it's probably a good idea if you're going to try and do soybeans after wheat to do a uh, wheat burn down and kill your wheat off and as well as all the weeds that are in there um with glyphosate uh, at this point we're probably right on the edge of when we want to do that we probably wanted to do it like a week ago but I like I like to do it a week before you're gonna plan to harvest. A week, so right now you're playing with fire with it a little bit too because you can screw up test weight. Correct. So yep. I like to wait as long as close to yeah, yeah, yeah as possible. And the weather, you know, if it rains or something, and and you get pushed out, that can and be. a lot a lot of time with wheat, you think it's ready, and then it's like one more week. Yep, yep. It's yep. Like oh, yeah. it's gonna be ready. If next it looks week ready, then it's, then it's a week later. Yeah. yeah. So I, re- I remember Grandpa always saying that about the the oats. Because he would combine oats. Like, that's yep. old school. Oh, like, a lot of oats. Yeah. A lot of oats. And he'd be like, it looks ready, but you got to give it a week. Let's when go, it's ready, go it's got to wait a week. Come back. Yep. yep. Ooh, go fishing I think for a week. Max, the, Max, the other thing that the glyphosate does is it dries it, you know, obviously it dries everything down, kills it, but it just, in the same, in the same tense, it also evens out the field. And then if you're going to take wheat straw... Which it's ready. I mean, you can just if you're planning bail. to plant beans, you probably are going to take the straw off to get rid of that chaff. I, I would think. Yeah. I mean, I, that would be my thought. So um, the other, it's going to help you make straw quicker. Quicker, like you can bail almost right behind the combine if you want. Right. Even versus waiting a few days correct. for that green weeds to to dry. Correct. So and this year especially, we had a lot of wheat go down in the last week or two. That mm-hmm. stuff is great stems are green yeah grain is relatively dry but the stems are really green where like i think a glyphosate application could probably help that out quite a bit um so the next the next big thought or thing you got to think about is so our population goal right we're not planting for a hundred thousand stand or hundred ten thousand stand we gotta we gotta be a final stand of a hundred eighty thousand plants per acre so that's like double so you're bumping it because these plants don't get as big, they don't canopy they, they as well. They have time to get yeah. Instead right. of instead Size of putting on, on six nodes or eight nodes, we're gonna put on three, three, three yeah, 
right? And, and potentially drier, so you want to have more opportunity for them to germinate, maybe. Yep. Correct. Correct. So that means you're probably going to be planting around a 200,000 planting population to get your 180,000. So definitely have, your seed cost goes up a little bit. But we were, we were discussing kind of before the podcast started here that um, there is off-season bean pricing, or you can get off-season pricing, right? Bean seed isn't in a super high demand right now. So you sh- you can hunt and pick around and probably find some deals that, you know, you can get seed a little cheaper. So you're not paying 60 bucks a bag or 52 bucks a bag. Well, and do you have that leftover treated seed that you can't return? Yep. yep. Oh, do you yeah. have... And, that, and that's, yeah. that's part of the next point, too. Is this would be the year you don't have that, right? <laughs> yes. Every other year, you got you a half do. a total in yeah. around, and this is the year you don't. So I, I do think it's worth noting that you can probably skip uh, the seed treatment on yeah. planting beans after wheat. We're yeah. not going to have those cool wet soils. Nope. nope. Um, you're going to say, I mean, that's that's a lot of money when you, when it comes down to it. I mean, that's, what, nine bucks a, a unit? Probably. In, in yeah, five, five to 12. Yeah. So, so I mean, that's a lot of money you can save. You can cut that cost and, and widen that margin a little bit. Yeah. Um, that would also mean you wouldn't get any kind of insecticide seed treatment, but... Because generally they run them, you don't really yep. do one or the other. It's both, so um, you do lose that. But you know we can we can scout and hopefully get ahead of anything. Um, well, and you're hoping that you're going to germinate and you know out of the gate you're going to have you know your warm soil. Everything's going to go just a little bit quicker. Yeah, this is going to look very different than when we plant beans on May first. Yeah, like very. It's not going to be oh, hopefully we got uh, we got real rows in three weeks. This is going to be like a week, and you're going to have beans. Or should be. With ample moisture and heat, you should be. Yeah. So Probably, probably inoculate them? Yeah. That's a really good question. I'm always surprised in Wisconsin how much we inoculate compared to other states. A sure. lot of other states, if, if they've had beans there before, they, they don't. Even do don't but I, I would say inoculate them just because it's so common for us to do that. But you wonder how much it is going to nodulate anyway right. in what it's really going to put on. But right. if it lacks in, it ain't going to do well. Right. So right. I don't know that I would risk not putting that one on. That's not as much of a cost savings cutting inoculant right. compared to seed treatment. Right. right? Yep. I mean, we're, that's more like two bucks a unit, yeah. three bucks a unit maybe. So that's a lot, that's a lot more doable um, in this, in this scenario. Uh, so the studies out of university of Wisconsin, which is obviously we're located in Wisconsin. So we've, generally would run off their studies. It doesn't help us what the University of Florida does on second second crop beans, right? Um, but yeah, got the the gator chomp going over here. Um, they're, they don't really have planting data after July 12th. So I think it's probably wise to say that our cutoff date should be July 12th because uh, even July 12th is not a super great outcome. Um, yeah, one thing to note here is you're racing with the clock at that point. Right, right. Maybe you don't even harvest the straw. Maybe you you leave it out there and you plant beans. Plant beans. I mean, or plant beans and harvest straw after. Could yeah, yeah. right. I mean, yeah. just finding ways to to get it out there as quick as possible is the biggest point here. Is we're ju- we're just losing GDUs at this point, yeah. and it's already woke up past its alarm. If Bill, you remember in the soybean school where you know we hit the summer solstice, right? So it's photo period dependent. We've already changed that the that we're, that we're the days are getting shorter. Yeah. Yep. So how about you snip the heads off, plant the beans, and then mow mow the mow, mow the, the straw, straw, straw off. Merge the straw and bale it. There's so, a lot what of what if it rains? 
Oh yeah. Okay, man. <laughs> there was another thought of doing a. Um, oh man, I'm gonna bu- I'm gonna butcher explaining this, and I'm because I can't think of the words today. But combine like swatting it and combining, rather than combining it standing, and that would give you a bigger window to plant beans. Just. Just swat it in a windrow. Yep. And then, and then combine it. Yeah. Yep. Because you could swat it, plant beans, yeah. and then combine over top of that. Right. I don't know if that would save you any time, though. Because you're well, still doing the if, same. If you, if you have the swatter and the planter going on at the same time, sure. I mean, you should. Sure. You should it, that's, you that, that saves you. Because it takes two days to bale straw. Even yeah. if it's dry, it takes two days just to go through the process right. of baling. Mm-hmm. Right. So the other part, and we're going to get into the economics next, but also you, you leaving the straw out there, you're leaving money on the table there that you're trying to gain. And you're going to gain it on the beans. Right. right. So it's, it's not like your removal is really going to make that much of a difference on this margin, that removal on this right. margin. So all of this stuff, please run each numbers to know. We're just saying what, yep. you know, that on that part of it is time. You, you need to get it out there and be quick. And if you don't have cattle, find a neighbor that does and see if they take the forage if it comes to that not that you want to think about that but you should for the beans for the yep. beans yep if you got to chop the beans because they're not going to make it yeah then at least maybe you can sell it for feed and get something from i somewhere. don't know that you yeah yeah or it's a cover crop or you leave yep, it's a really expensive cover. cover crop yep well not really because we talked about some mixes that are 30 40 bucks yeah to do i mean you could probably get up close to that on your bean Bean planting, if you if you shop around, uh, so expectations on yield, uh, ten to twenty five bushel. Um, I know uh, the July twelfth planting date in the UW trial was nine bushel. Nine. So, and I, I it's lower than I would have expected. Whenever we've tried this, like in twenty twelve, it was always around ten. We just seemed like it was between eight and fifteen at the moment, but never that twenty or twenty five. So I, I guess you would have to have really good conditions to make that 25. You probably have to have a late fall, um, you know, where the beans can really mature on their own rather than freeze dry. Freeze, freeze and dry, yeah. Um, which I guess we kind of skipped right over this, but maturity group-wise, um, we probably don't want to go less than a 0.5 and probably not more than a 1.0. Uh, much more over a 1.0, you're going to get freeze-dried beans that freeze-dry a little too early. Um, and under a 0.5, you're just not... So go that point eight and you're good. One oh man. One oh push there, it. There is some thoughts out there that you go a two oh or more or like a higher and then they get taller. And I've no idea if that really works or not. But that was <laughs> in twenty twelve that was the idea. Well, no, you don't you actually don't want to go a real low bean or it's only gonna get, you know, six inches tall and just quit. You wanna go a real long bean. But I think that way too, like we said, if you get early frost you get nothing, nothing out of it, on yeah. a real long bean. Whereas these, you're you're kind of guaranteeing you should get something. Even last year in some of my uh, earlier frost zones, a two o like got smoked by the frost, and we lo- we definitely lost yield. So I, that you know, keep that in the back of your mind. A two o can be too long in some places in Wisconsin, um, even planted yeah. on time. So, um, so anyway, we expectations ten to twenty five bushels are realistic, right? I would say if you're going to budget this out, you probably want to budget for 10 to 12. And if you get 25, great. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, uh, pen, you know, when you really you really get out and do this, the margins are going to be tight. Um, but like you said, if we have all the conditions right, early wheat so we can get beans planted early, bean price is good. Um, 
Yep, running the num like running the cost of production worksheet that I've created and like to use. Um, just plugging in twenty five for chemical, which we all these numbers are on the high side. I think that one's going to be between fifteen and twenty five, right, Bill? We kind of figured. Yeah. Um, pass a roundup basically. Um, planting twenty five bucks, combining thirty five bucks an acre. Seed, I got sixty. I think that one we said it's going to be a higher planting rate. Um, so that might change, but I think you could, there's, there's a lot of wiggle room in that one to get you probably down to 40, maybe if you find a good deal on seed, uh, trucking at a buck 10, a bushel, if you're getting 11 bushel and then market price right now is about 13 bucks. It's low. It, Chicago is the high thirteens, you know, around here we're between 1330 and 1340. So depending on that as well, I mean, by harvest that might change a lot. Yeah. So it's. And but it's pretty risky to book. I, it is very yeah, risky. Yeah, you don't want to try to yeah. book those. So then, looking at the ROI, you know, calculator where I got a, a you know, price on one side and yield on the other is you basically at this current price, you need to be at twelve bushel to even sort of break even, and that's not counting fertilizer removal. You know, that's not counting risk that's involved in this. That can you and so under twelve when I got to like eight bushel, you're losing about. 40 bucks an acre six bushel you're losing 70 bucks um and then on the other end um at you know like i said 12 bushel is kind of that break even ish you're getting about five or ten bucks an acre 14 bushel you're at 40 bucks an acre so that way too is almost you gotta look at is is that is the risk worth the reward to me Mm -hmm. is a very high risk very low reward reward kind of endeavor but Sometimes you might want to do that, but scared money don't make. (laughs) (laughs) But if you're in Southern Wisconsin and you're looking at combining next week, it's a different, it's a different different story story than if you're, you know, Northeast here, we're probably still two weeks away. Yeah. Or better. Can you, can you give us the number if you would hit that 25 bushel? 25. um, Right now I got up to 20, but I can change it. But 20, 20 bushel you're at. Yeah. Show me the money. Which, the twenty bushel, you're at one hundred and twenty. Yeah, on your second crop, right, right. Because you've already made your profit. You've already made your profit. Hopefully, right. Your wheat crop made on your, your wheat, profit yeah. here. Yeah, because your fixed one hundred and twenty bucks gravy. Your fixed yes, costs extra. are already taken care of. Correct. Yeah, yep. this is not including rent. Obviously, right. you already that's paid already that. paid that. Um, it, I didn't have for like crop insurance, and so that's the other part. I mean, your budget's going to be different depending how you do it, but you're also fairly low input as well. So I don't know that usually high risk or low input doesn't make sense. Usually it's high risk, high input, but this I would say is fairly low. You might not even have to spray these beans. Um, and even if you do, it's not going to cost you that much to do that. Nope. So there, now we dangled the carrot that you can make <laughs> 120 bucks an acre. If it, this works out as if the best. If you can get planted by July 12th, and if you can get it, moisture to germinate it. If, so I, I, don't know, I don't know that 20 bushel beans is uh, is a July 12th planting. I think that's got to be a July Seven, 7th. Yeah. Tilt Talk Radio does not guarantee anything. <laughs> this is not this is not actual yeah. farming advice. If you want to wager, <laughs> wait till this fall at Oneida Casino. Yes. Yeah. And it's kind of big news too. Do some sports yeah, betting. Yeah, maybe bet on the Bucks <laughs> instead of Bucks and Six. Yeah. Um. So yeah. So the one other thing here, Bill, that you added was uh, the last frost date. Um. Because I can really, you know, we pretty, pretty uh, 
important when you're thinking about, okay, when are these beans really going to get smoked down? So for Green Bay, which is the closest town or city listed to us, um, it's looking at 918. September. Yeah. September 18th is really early. We have had late frost, though, into October. October, right? The last so that's the first frost. Right. The average first frost date? Yeah. Yeah. I always thought it was later. I always thought it was like the first week of October. But that's lately what it's been closer to. But there's always that chance. Just like we weren't expecting frost at the end of May (laughs) this year. So you're telling me there's a chance. Wow. But look at but Madison is almost Madison Milwaukee is almost almost October, so you know, if you can get them off early now down there and get them in, you're probably sitting pretty good. Right. Get a little bit of rain, and you might hit that number that we're talking about. Right. So our next option for after wheat, um, I think this one's going to be pretty popular this year. Um, um, this seems to be the, the answer right now, is uh, planting a forage. So uh, this, is, this is definitely the popular option. Um, and probably the best part about it is there's 87 different ways you can go about doing this. So that's what makes it popular is you have so much flexibility. Exactly. 87. Exactly. 87. <laughs> you not, counted the ways. Not one more, not one less. <laughs> so, uh, it, the, a good thing aside of how it works for you financially and for your system is that we, it's, it's basically going to be a cover crop as well. So you could take this as a crop that can feed the animals or you can sell. But at the bare minimum, you are getting green cover for the rest of the year, which is always a thing we talk about all the time that it seems to really be a positive. And it, it is hard watching that ground stay idle from you know mid-July or on a normal year into well, August all the way well, to... And the, do, you, do you want to spend the money to spray it off this fall because there's so many yep. weeds there? Or do, would you rather have spend the same money in putting seed in the ground that you might actually get a, a crop off of? And as a, the goose hunter in me says, yeah, just leave it. It's fine. We don't need to put anything else. Just leave that nice 100-acre wheat field. I mean, I'll be here September 1st, and I'll do some things, and you can do whatever you want with it. You know. But realistically, we probably want to put something out there. And yeah. like Matt said, the cost to spray that wheat off again in, in September when it's too weedy and you can't handle it versus planting something and being able to cut was, I mean, uh, to me, it pencils out pretty, pretty heavy in the favor of we should probably plant something. So uh, a lot of different options. Sorghum sedangrass, that's a really nice, hot, dry, really likes that. Millet is in that same family. Uh, forage oats, those need a little bit more rain, a little bit cooler temps. Uh, but they do they do they better do than, well. They do better than grain oats, for sure. They do well. Mm-hmm. I, um, think, I think it's a good option. Uh, the alfalfa seeding, that's a, I mean, we do that all the time. Now, that obviously you're not going to cut this year, but it'll be ready for you next spring, hopefully. You don't give up the first crop next spring? That's correct. Just make sure that's in by mid-August, right? Right. Early August. August 10th. Yep. And then watch the the winter wheat volunteer. Wheat right. The the wind rose. Wind rose, because yeah. you won't like your alfalfa stand next spring if you don't take care of that. Yep. Roundup uh, Ready alfalfa works really good for that. Yep. I'm a big fan. Uh, anything else you guys see that are real pop? I... I have peas and oats. I just don't know how well those are going to do if we go into that hot, dry spell mm-hmm. again, which could happen. It's a, after wheat, especially wheat this early. Peas and oats would be a little risky. I would, I would say if you know the years where we got combine wheat, 
uh, into the first week of August, which happens every once in a while. Then your P's and O's, I think you have a better shot at, at making those work pretty well. Um, but I think those are probably out of the question. Planting Some on. barley might work. Huh? I would say, yeah, barley was what yep. I was thinking of. Your small grains that you could take for forage. I know some guys have done like a rye barley mix where then the rye will at least come back. Yep. Like a, a broom corn might be an okay option. The cross between like field or like silage corn and circumstantangrass, mm-hmm. it's kind of in that weird family. You also got all your normal cover options like tilled radish and yep. Yep. all that kind of stuff. That's not, you're not going to take that for forage. But well, one thing to think about, especially if you are taking the wheat straw. Is you're removing fertilizer, but you're you're also removing a lot of carbon. So any options you have at this point to to replace that carbon are good ones. So like you said, rye barley mix that one just to me yeah. would stand out as a really good one of replacing carbon. And one thing you got to watch on this forage side is wheat's a pretty heavy potash remover. You know when you got the wheat straw. So also now you take the wheat straw plus you take say a forage oats that does end up yielding really well you're really removing a lot of, of nutrient there that you just got to make sure you place in a way, uh, be it manure or commercial fertilizer. So just making sure you're watching all that, and this, especially the carbon one. I mean, when we're talking soil health, why not plant a cover crop at this stage to gain you that back and get you that carbon back in that soil? Do you, do you see any, any outcome in, or any way that it could happen that we could cut an alfalfa seeding this fall? If you planted like alfalfa with oats... After we, you, that's no still way. Is just no, no way. way. No. That's a good idea. Yeah. No, no way. Yeah. That's kind of what I thought too. But somebody was very convinced this week that they were going to do that, and I just was very adamantly thought that was not a good idea. It just that does not end well. So tell them to focus on next next June first when they're able to cut that for it the first sounds time. Really, it sounds really good this fall to say we got another, you got an alfalfa, you got a wheat crop off, and then an alfalfa crop. But that's not. <laughs> that's probably not the answer. No. If you want to forage for this fall to take off, alfalfa is not your answer. Right. So, and then another real big thing that's going to happen after wheat is we're going to haul some manure. A little bit. A little bit. Well, actually, it should be less this year than most years because we did get spring. The spring pits hauling aren't as full. Was, yep, we had a good good window in spring. And and after first crop, actually, we hauled a decent amount of manure because it was nice and dry. And actually mm-hmm. I think the alfalfa responded really well yeah. to a surface application um, during that dry spell. Um, this is nice because if you're not planning on putting a forage or an alfalfa seeding in after wheat, you have time. You don't have to rush, you know, and, and, you know, sacrifice maybe some of your procedures. Um, you can really just kind of spread this out. Um, any kind of daily haul, you know, where they just need some acres to go on. This is great because, they can haul on this the rest of the year if they want to. Um, obviously, we got, got to make sure we follow our nutrient management plan guidelines and all of our restrictions and all that kind of stuff. Um, but, <laughs> um, and then you do still have an option to plant a forage after this. Um, you you got to make sure you know exactly how you're gonna the logistics are gonna work. Right, we probably can't be hauling manure for. Four weeks and then go, oh, it'd be really nice to plant something now. Too um, late. Yeah. So, but if I, you've I've had, uh, had that a question of, of cover crop is, is there too early to plant cover crop, especially like a rye or this is be like a, a barley radish, a little bit of rye mix. Like farms are concerned. I took that wheat off early mid July and 
now I put the cover crop out right away and it's just going to get too big. And my answer was, if it gets too big, we just spray it. You know, like, if you have the time to plant it, you might as well plant it right away. Right. And then if later on in November or something, I don't know when it would get too big. But do, what do you guys think? I, I had a hard time answering that is, is there a way that that cover crop gets too big or are you, would you more concerned that if you wait to plant and then it's too small? Your, your options are greater the earlier you are. Because there's some things you're going to plant where if you put them in, even in September, they're not yeah, really like, going to grow. Like a tillage radish. Right. Once you hit mm-hmm. September right. is, is done. Right. So, so I wouldn't think from, I think there's certain things that might be too early depending on what you want to do with it. Like you're going to get maybe overgrowth, but no, I don't think it's, there's really that much of a too early. And there's even some species that you, you need to get in that early to have them really be anything. Yeah. One thing that guys well, have been kind of, some guys have been looking at, especially if they're trying to do like regenerative or some of that stuff is Blanche clover. Well, that around here, it's got to be in, in July. Really? You can't, you can't do that in September. It's just not going to work. A, so is this a manure system or a non-manure system? It, it's, because they're going to do some of their wheat fields with manures, I, some without. So we're trying to decide. I do think if you plant cover crop and wait till it kind of starts to green up and then, and then haul manure yeah. on it, that stunts it. That slows down quite a bit. That's not going to get too big if you do that. So yeah. what's the concern of it getting too big? Too much just, mass? Well, next yeah, it was spring? just that question. Right. Of just, well, that's going to get too big. And I, I, I couldn't the, even answer besides saying like. Well, like your radish aren't going to survive. Most of the right. That, right. This last year, maybe they did because of the mild Some weather. But the only reason we're having this conversation is because this year, all of our like everything survived. So right. yeah. But yeah, but, but isn't isn't most of that above ground foliage gonna? It's gonna die off and rot and just be brittle next spring, right? Isn't it? Right. Yeah. No, I wouldn't be that worried about it. Not to me that what you'd gain. You're getting with, too good at soil health. No, Stop. right. It almost is like well. <laughs> That's exactly what we do want. Right. So, because yeah. I've had some barley. We did this on a alfalfa field. We wanted to cover it. it. Was a poor field, and we did it in August. And the barley got like chest high, and obviously it was spring barley, so it died. And then it was just like it was straws next spring. Like it just broke up. Like yeah. A, which great. which on a corn field, then your carbon nitrogen ratio might be a little out of sure. whack that you got to watch. But yeah, no, I I'm a big fan of the plant. Plant your, if it's a cover crop, plant your cover first, then put the manure right. on top. Because then, like Max said, you can you, it's going to stunt it or you're going to run it over and it'll still grow, but, you know, it's there. And Nutrient management plants love manure on a growing crop. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, and I've you seen... You don't have to wait for it to dry. I've seen yeah, guys... Yeah, it's just dry. Yeah. I've seen guys put manure on tillage radishes that were like two foot tall. And then two weeks later, you couldn't tell they were even in there. Yeah. Then the tillage radishes are four foot tall. Yeah. <laughs> they love that manure. They do. Tillage radishes really do seem to like manure. So, and then obviously the, uh, we talked about all these are a good cover option at the bare minimum, but we can just plant a cover crop. Like it can just be a cover crop and just, yep. we can just be done at that. So, um, that's, I think that's a conventional wisdom. I think, uh, later years, especially. When we have later wheat, I don't think we think about forages and things like that as much. But um, so, like this year, we we're gonna have a big window. I think we'll see a lot of forage and not a ton of just straight covers for the sake of cover. Um, but late years, when we're com- like you say, when we're combining in August first, um, I think covers just for the sake of cover comes out quite a bit. I feel like this year, like just to cover max is like settling 
Oh, we oh, settled for, sure. for just a cover this year, like for sure. Right? Well, it is. I mean, we. I mean, margins are good on a lot of stuff, right? Feed. You can sell feed for quite a bit of money right now because everything's expensive. So, if you know, if you can plant the forage and and harvest that and sell that, I mean, that's that's better ROI than probably a cover crop is this year. This year, a lot of years it's not. But this a couple year, years we're just happy to get the cover in, right? A couple years we were happy to get the weed off. Yeah, right. right. Good point. So, um, or the corn, I always feel like my birthday is July 30th. If the wheat isn't, if we're not like wrapping up by then, I know we're hurting pretty bad at that point. So one year there were still combines going on my brother's birthday, which was August 21st. Mm. That was, that was tough. (laughs) That was tough. So. All right. So there you go. There's some options for what to do after your wheat crop this year. Whether it's planting covers, planting forages, planting soybeans, maybe if you're you're off early enough, all could be an option to cover your soil and do something, maybe even make a little money. So now we'll move into our spotlight for today. So in the past we've talked about the green weevil, which hopefully keeps you out of the bin, but if you can't get out of the bin, uh and you got to go in and you get stuck, you really want your fire department to have a way to get you out. So 48 fire departments were awarded grain rescue tubes and training through the Nationwide Safety Program. So in the past 50 years, more than 900 incidents or instances of grain engulfment have been reported, according to the researchers at Purdue University. Of those incidents, 62% were fatal. In 2020... Grain entrapments led to 20 deaths. It only takes seconds. Simple mistake for an adult to sink into the quicksand-like flow of grain and become fully entrapped or engulfed, said Brad Liggett, Nationwide's president of agribusiness. So now adding to the risk is the lack of rescue equipment available, and that's where they are hoping to change things. So since 2014, Nationwide has worked to address this issue with initiatives like the Grain Bin Safety Program. And now providing these rescue tubes to fire departments and giving them to the tools they need to hopefully save you if you're in that grain bin and get engulfed. There were two Wisconsin fire departments, Bloomington, Wisconsin, and also Berlin, Berlin, Wisconsin. So closer to home. Where's Bloomington? I don't know. (laughs) South, probably. I believe it's pronounced Berlin, not Berlin. (laughs) That Berlin's in Germany. Bloomington, Wisconsin. So yeah, close to home. Some of these are going. So that'd be pretty cool yeah. to have have that option if people need it. Uh, Bloomington is down by like Lancaster. Okay. So yeah, southwest Wisconsin. Almost Iowa. Yeah, it looks like a lot of. I'm seeing a lot of Illinois. They're kind of spread out in New York, South Dakota, Pennsylvania, Texas, Iowa, Missouri, Kansas. Dakotas. A few, few grain bins in Illinois. It's a few. Ohio. Less this year than there was last year. (laughs) Too soon. (laughs) Way too soon. So, yeah, good news for everybody working with grain bins. Hopefully your department will be able to rescue you. I thought this was cool talking. We talk a lot of tech in the spotlight, but just something good that happened in farming that was, you know, support a nationwide. I don't think nationwide's a huge, like, agricultural business, so... (laughs) them to support i thought that was cool nationwide is on your side that's correct did peyton manning have anything to do with it (laughs) 
Is that was the nationwide, or it was him and chicken parm? You taste so good. Who's the country Brad guy? Uh, Brad Paisley. Paisley yeah. yeah. Yeah, those were good Pey- commercials. Peytonville. Does he have grain bins in Peytonville? Um, maybe. They just seem so random together that yeah, it didn't make any sense. <laughs> like a country music and this old quarterback. All right, let's move into our egg history minute then. I love that banjo. All right, today we're going to talk about the Harvest Brigade of 1944. In 1944, Joe Tucker, sales manager of Massey Harris, USA, saw an opportunity, developed a plan for a Harvest Brigade, and presented it to the War Production Board. He said that if the board would give his company enough steel to produce 500 Model 21 combines over their normal quota, the company would sell those to farmers only if they agreed to harvest 2,000 acres of wheat with the new machines. It's a lot. The plan had an obvious patriotic ring. In addition, Tucker claimed that their technology would save half a million bushels of wheat that older machines would leave in the field. So the self-propelled combines would release 600 to 1,000 tractors to other work and save half a million gallons of fuel. And the plan would save manpower because, the combines, because of the combine's efficiency. Tucker even suggested that older machines could be salvaged provided much-needed scrap metal. So obviously, instead of the threshing machines, they would be using the self-propelled mm-hmm. combines. Which That's were, a lot of acres to harvest in 1944, isn't it? Well, like 2000? Tw- 21 combines times 2,000, so... yeah. Or sorry, model 21, 500, 500 combines. Yeah, yeah 500 yeah. combines. So that's, yeah, a lot of acres. That was a business proposal right there. Yeah. Yep. 500 combines. Especially like that's the end of the war, you know, 1944. It's the tail end, but it was still pretty. Well, well I'm just saying, like, yeah, yeah you go not, to them, then he's probably like going, like, gosh, how am I going to get enough steel to do anything right now? And he comes up with this plan, which is a yep. good one. This is 500 combines over his normal, normal production. Oh, okay. So, I mean, they sure. still made their other. I don't know what they're whatever making. their thousand quota was, a year. Yeah. They made fifteen hundred, so that's pretty impressive. Did yeah. we, do we know if it went through? If he got them or? Oh yeah, it happened. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, w- I assume we wouldn't be talking about it if it didn't, but no, it happened. Yeah, it's pretty cool. It's like the like one of the first modern day wheat trains, really, um, that we see now. I mean, those are yeah. Now it's pretty pretty common to see that. We don't get them up here very much, and around here it's a lot of just. Custom harvesters, but to the I'd say up through Iowa, they probably get a good wheat train every year. Yeah, yeah, oh yeah. All right, if you like what you're hearing, please subscribe to the podcast and tell a farmer friend. If you search Tilth Talk Radio in Apple Podcasts or on Android, download Podbean, Player FM, Pocket Cast, Castbox, or there's many other out there. Podcast Attic is one we like, so there's different apps on android and apple it's just simple apple podcasts and you search tilt talk radio or you can listen on your computer or smartphone browser you go to tilthag.com slash podcasts and matt where can they follow us you can follow us on facebook and twitter at tilth talk radio all right now it's time for cool beans that's corny so cool beans cool beans cool beans cool beans cool beans, cool beans. All right, cool beans today. Corn board, a new product 
called Cornboard is an environmentally friendly wood alternative made from corn stover left in the field after harvest. Local corn farmers are supported by providing 50 million pounds of corn stover annually, giving them another avenue to make money. Lane Segerstrom is the CEO of Cornboard Manufacturing Incorporated, located in Iowa. So the fo- they follow the farmer's combine with a baler to collect the stover. However, they only take about 20% and the rest is left in the field. It's r- not really being used for other purposes. Most of it's being tilled back in the soil. Well, yeah, those purposes would be <laughs> keeping nutrients in the field. But um, but since they're only taking 20%, they're at least leaving some residue behind. Yeah, I was a little bit uh, on the fence on that. Like, yeah. okay, we're making we're making boards, but then we're taking all the residue I away. Mean, you, you guys know what it looks like when somebody bales stalks. Right, you, yeah. If you're not really looking, it's hard to tell sometimes if they even did it most of the time. So, yeah. The main product is shipping pallets and uh, they plan to produce skateboards, surfboards, and other outdoor furniture. Corn board is lighter weight than wood, but has the same structural integrity. A surfboard with... That'd be pretty badass. Surfing on corn. Skateboard. So yeah, that's kind of a cool use for... Outdoor furniture. If it gets too hot to the camp... Too close to the campfire, it gets too hot. Does it just pop pops? Yeah, nice There's, little corn rolls. Yeah. <laughs> Unfortunately, if the... I wonder if they ever get kernels like mashed in with the... Why can't we just yeah use this board for a bonfire? Because that would be sweet. It does say it would cob. have like corn smell. Yeah, co- cob and stalk is their byproduct, so they only so they really just, want the leaves. Yeah, really? so they're like, segregating. I would have thought, like the app. So they're segregating. So they're well. When you think about chipboard, it's just layered pieces of wood. Yeah. So I'm sure that's the same process. They're using leaves, just layering the leaves and gluing them together. You know, some of the styrofoam that you get at a like a to-go container, they do about a third of those. Roughly are made out of uh, sugar cane residue, sugar cane stover. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's the same same process. They just this stuff is a lot thicker, <laughs> but same kind of same kind of deal. So there's all sorts of avenues to go with your stover. All right, and our that's corny this week. Putting the brakes on China-owned farmland. So on the outside, not really sounding like a negative thing, but. Will there be retaliation for locking down China is kind of the concern here. So China's buying our farmland? Yep. They would be barred from buying more U.S. farmland. They already own a pretty good chunk. 192,000 acres. Yep. How much does Bill Gates own? Uh, ooh. A lot. Yeah. It's crazy, though, that China owns that much. He's the that's largest landowner, so it's got to be more was, than the 192. Yeah. That's, what, that's what I... Why when I why I put it as the that's corny for this week because on the surface, like Matt said, I was like, oh, that's I think that's probably a good thing, right? I mean, keep money in America and all that. Almost two fifty, yeah, and then I two forty two, and then you read like, oh yeah, they could retaliate, and the fact they own one hundred and ninety two thousand was already like that. I would stop them before by that, yeah. So yeah, well, I guess we'll see. This could be one of those things that uh, is a recurring. Recurring uh, theme because uh, we'll see what happens after this. All right. Well, that'll do it for today. Thanks for being here, guys. Thanks for having us, Matt. So today we talked about winter wheat and what some possible options would be after your wheat comes off. In our spotlight, we looked at some fire departments being awarded grain rescue tubes to help with safety in grain bins. 
our Ag History Minute, we talked about the Harvest Brigade of 1944 and a swath of combines out there harvesting wheat. Cool Beans was using corn stover to make boards. And our That's Corny, the possible blowback from putting the brakes on China owning farmland in the U.S. So thanks for listening, and as always, happy farming.